Hi, welcome to the Dairy Dive. This is Scott Harris, brand manager for Master's Choice, and today we're going to talk about taxes. What's more fun to talk about than taxes? So buckle up because we're diving deep. First of all, we hope we can try to educate you so you learn just a little bit, a little bit. My whole life's been dairy farming. Some days he wonders why he ever milk cows. It's kind of just in the blood around here. I don't know what it is, but we like livestock. Buckle up. The Dairy Dive starts now. Scott, we are back on the airwaves. I'm back, Jack. Feels like it's been a minute since we recorded. We apologize to all of you that expect us to have content out every other Wednesday. We've missed some. Our bad. We failed you. We did. Uh, but we're back with good stuff and some timely content, I believe. Pretty pretty darn timely. Uh, what, who are we interviewing today, Scott? We are going to interview uh, someone named Katie Wontok. With uh, farm, she is a farm management outreach specialist with the University of Wisconsin in the Madison Extension Office. Madison, Wisconsin, the heart of dairy country, home of World Dairy Expo. It is, uh, and so we're going to talk about taxes, which, as we said, is very timely considering uh, at the recording of this, uh, it's Monday, February twenty seventh, and we are going to release it on Wednesday, March first. I should mm-hmm. look that up. Correct. March first. Wow. So people are worried about taxes right now. Taxes are happening. Taxes are, uh, you know, it's only, as it was, it was it Winston Churchill, right? That said two certainties in life. Death. And taxes. And taxes. Yep. So we're going to title this episode, uh, for anybody that didn't look at the title on their phone before they clicked it. In my head, in this, in this wonderland that is Andrew Crabtree's head, I just envision people so excited to listen to the Dairy Dive, that when they see there's a new episode, they just click on it. They don't even read the title. Yeah, yeah. What, it's irrelevant. So so for those of you that were just so excited that you had to click on it, uh, this, this is titled, What's More Fun Than Taxes? I can think of about 642 things off the top of my <laughs> head that are more fun than taxes. Saying the phrase, what's more fun than taxes, is more fun than taxes. <laughs> Literally everything. No. Yeah. Uh, but we've already recorded the interview. It was a good interview, and I don't know that I'm to the point yet where I want to say taxes are fun, but I feel like Katie did a good job of at least breaking down where maybe we don't need to be so scared of the taxes. Is It It would be fair to say that she took a tough topic and made it entertaining, Yeah, knowledgeable. Was, she She's definitely knowledgeable. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not ready to leap off yet and say that I think taxes are fun, but I think... Maybe we could rephrase that and say taxes are important. Taxes are important. Yeah, yeah, they are important. And, and uh, she gets into some key strategies that uh, will be important for you to pay attention to. Yeah, she she definitely brought up some points that I did not have top of mind or would have even ever considered. So there's definitely a lot to be learned. And, uh, you know, ag is a very specialized industry. And uh, just between... All of the, I mean, just gazillion different factors to consider. I think it's important that, that you uh, uh, are really intentional with this topic. And I think that you guys were intentional with your interview. Yeah, I was happy with it. Um, it's a reference from a great article in Progressive Dairy. It's where we get a lot of our content from. They do a great job. And so uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Well, with that, let's talk to Katie Wontok and uh, let's, let's listen to her interview. Let's do it.
All right, we are going to bring in a expert because if we're talking about taxes, I'm not your guy. The only thing I know is that I have to pay them every year. And so uh, we wanted to make sure and bring in a, uh, a ta- an expert on this. And I do want to make sure and read anytime you're going to do anything financial or tax related, you want to make sure and put a disclaimer out there. And so I do want to say that this information changes often. Uh, this is educational, not tax or legal advice. Information is based on material from the Land Grant University Tax Education Foundation and the IRS. And so our guest today is going to be Katie Wontuck. Am I saying that correct, Katie? Yes, you are. All right, and Katie is from Farm Management Outreach. She's an outreach specialist with Farm Management University of Wisconsin at the Madison Extension. So. To kind of start things off, I think I kind of stole a little bit of your thunder with my introduction, but tell us again who you are, where you're located, kind of what you do, and a little bit about uh, kind of your role there. Sure. Thanks, Scott. Uh, so Katie Wontok, uh since last July, actually, I have been the statewide uh, farm management outreach specialist for the state of Wisconsin, newly created positions within our state thanks to some uh, new state funding. So an opportunity to focus in on, in particular, my role is uh, financial management, um, which can cover uh, numbers, uh, balance sheet income statement, uh, taxes, as well as a little bit of risk management in there. And uh, risk management can vary depending on the type of commodity that you're producing. Uh, for example, grain marketing, crop insurance are two of the areas that I'll be focusing on in the upcoming year. Okay. Well, we found Katie by reading an article in Progressive Dairy, and it was a very good article that she had in there. And she talks about the about five different strategies um, that you can talk about when uh, talking about tax prep. So, pre- tax prep strategies for 2022, and that season is definitely upon us. I am sure of that uh, for everybody. But uh, so let's kind of dive into these uh, strategies, if it's all right, Katie. And let's let's talk about the first one you mentioned is uh, record keeping, farm record keeping. Now, a lot of farmers I work with, and nothing personal against the listeners who love and support us, but they're not the best at the record keeping oftentimes. But uh, you talk about the importance of this. So do, what go into that a little bit for us. Yeah, sure. Yeah, record keeping, of course, is kind of where it all starts from. And so uh, it's hard if you don't have good records to really make good you know, decision making, have good decisions on your on your operation. So uh, some people, it's not their forte, and that's fine. But then, you know, you need to find somebody who can help you do that. Uh, record keeping really begins with knowing, you know, about the production side of your business, more that physical side, and then looking at the financial aspect of it. You know, what is what income are you generating and what are you spending your money on? And so, of course, financial record keeping is kind of more my forte than the production. Uh, And that's where you need that information on the financial side to fulfill your income tax reporting requirements. And uh, through that, you know, um, regardless, you'll still need records for, you know, some government agencies. This is a time of year that Farm Service Agency at the USDA is looking for reporting on some of their program payments like, you know, crop plans. Uh, but lenders, if it's an annual renewal season time as well for some of our lenders. And so they'll be asking for records as well. So, um, but, you know, in organic, I just came off of uh, an annual organic conference and record keeping is extremely important to that industry to maintain their certification. So just kind of depends on the operation you're running. 
Uh, but the IRS does like you to keep records. They have a certain number of years that is required for you that they can come back and, of course, uh, do some investigation should they have an issue with some of your records. So always good to keep those on hand and know what it is and, and where you've kept them. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's. I remember, you know, grow, I grew up on a not a uh, corn and bean operation, but we had cattle and uh, beef cows. And my dad always had these just random, you know, tablets of paper sitting around that he had. You know, he it all made sense to him. Um, but if anybody was to try to walk in and decipher that mess, it would have been quite the challenge. Now, we weren't in any kind of situation necessarily required a big deal. But um, I think that the importance of making sure you're organized, I think, has to go a long way um, in this process. Because you even talk about you know, knowing when you, when your expenses occur, because, you know, some, you may end up taking the expenses either, uh, at a cash or an accrual basis. So can you kind of define, get into that just a little bit more of what the difference there is? Sure. Yeah. You know, most farmers are on a cash basis. So, you know, when the income comes in, you record it. When the expenses go out, you record it. Now, ideally, when you're making management decisions, you want it to be on more of an accrual basis. So you want to t to line up the expenses with the income. And a lot of farmers, you know, for example, if they're dairy farming, they're milking cows. Usually income and expenses are, are some of the same time. But if you're growing crops, your expenses are going out six months sometimes before your actual income is coming in. And especially in the dairy world, you usually don't see a lot of income from that crops because it's going to feed your dairy cattle. And so that's where sometimes we like to adjust. We, we call them like uh, crop inventory adjustments. So we make sure we give you credit for the crops that you have in storage. Um, and so that's more on that accrual basis. And it goes a step beyond just your cash. Cash is really what you're looking to file your income taxes on the expenses that you had and the income that's generated off of those expenses. Accrual is what you want to do in the next step in order for you to make finance those um, management decisions. Right, and it would be important for someone to understand at least how that works so they can actually get an accurate snapshot of profitability. Right, correct, yeah. For example, if you're you know, producing corn and you have extra that you're not utilizing to feed and to feed cattle, you're going to go out and sell that corn. Sometimes farmers wait another calendar year even to sell, depending on you know what 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 their local market like lo might look like. Those expenses are definitely not going to tie up to the income. So that's where we like to see those accrual adjustments so we can capture that because you grew the crop. It's there if you might have it in storage. But if you look at strictly just your cash income and expenses, the, your cash income is not there for, until another year. That makes sense. And the, so in the farm, it's one of the other items that you had mentioned was having, you know, farm tax management strategies. And you talk about you talk about goals, uh, kind of preserving the benefits associated with deductions and exemptions and then minimizing income tax pay, paid over time, not just the current year. Can you talk about those just a little bit more for us? Yeah, certainly. You know, a lot of farmers have different goals with their income tax strategies. Uh, some farmers are really just, they don't want to pay taxes ever. And that's fine. It's just they have to realize that come the time when they might want to consider collecting from Social Security, from the federal government, they haven't really paid in a whole lot. So, you know, uh, we like to say, especially those in, in extension that deal with income taxes, you want to try and 
maybe minimize the income taxes paid over time, not just necessarily in one particular year. So um, that maybe kind of is more of that smoothing effect. So maybe one year you might pay more in income tax, especially the last two years, commodity prices have been really great, really great. So you might be paying a little bit more, but recognizing that five, seven years ago, there you probably weren't paying a whole lot of income taxes because you know we weren't making a whole lot of money at that point so you know and like i said the preserve the benefits associated with those deductions and exemptions so we talk a lot i think we'll kind of come up here talking scott about um you know looking at you know what are those some of those expenses and deductions that you could write off um how do you do that um, a, a accountants, of course, are great to advise you on that, but we can cover a couple of those, you know, kind of topics. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense. So when you're talking about, you know, you also get into my probably my favorite part of this article was one of your uh, strategies was farm income averaging. Um, I read it uh, about three times and I feel like I know just enough to be really dangerous. So I'm not even really going to try to lead into a question to let you just kind of take off from a launch point and talk about that a little bit. Cause I found it very interesting. So talk to us about, about farm income averaging. Yeah, Scott, that's, that's one that I just really tuned into and learned about in the last two years myself. And so um, I learned from Rob Holcomb, who's an extension educator and enrolled agent over in the university of Minnesota extension and he is just surprised that more people do not take advantage of this in the farming community. Uh, he says it's very common over in the business world, but not necessarily in agriculture. And especially as, like I said, these last two years have been really strong years. This is part of that smoothing effect where, um, you know, there might be some years where you had a lot of deductions, you purchased a lot of assets, you might have some depreciation, you lowered your income tax uh, liability. And so you may be, you know, there's certain income tax brackets that we fit into depending on where you are. And so you might have some gap left within those income tax brackets that's not filled in up into the maximum that you could take advantage of. So, for example, in 2022, if you're above the tax bracket, can you look at the last two, three years and see if there was any gaps within those income taxes and see if you can't maximize those? Um, this is certainly something you'd want to work with your tax repair or accountant to look at. It is a, a different schedule. Um, it, it doesn't adjust your income taxes whatsoever. It just looks at smoothing it back into the past. And so it's a schedule that you kind of add on into your uh, 1040 that you're filing for this uh, upcoming year. And uh, so it's something certainly for farmers just to be aware of, to ask, ask their tax accountants for, and something to consider. Uh, like I said, it's one of those strategies to kind of um, reduce your income tax liabilities for, for the 2022 year. And so to be clear, this is done after filing, correct? You would be it would you would file the Schedule J when you are filing your 2022 income tax return. So at the okay. same time, yes, but it's not something that you can pre-plan. For example, you know, if if I'm trying to reduce my tax liability for 2023, it's not something I can do now. It's something more that I'm looking backwards to do going um, from 
So for 2022 tax filing year that we're in currently here up until April, you can look back at your prior three years and say, can I take advantage of some of the gaps that within those tax brackets smooth out my income tax liability that I have for this year back into the past three years? Okay, so it's fair to say that this is an evaluation of your tax situation once every kind of all the factors have been decided, basically. You're kind of evaluating maybe you want to do some averaging or something like that. This isn't anything that you could have been doing throughout the year to have prepared for this. Is that correct? You are correct in that. Yes, correct. Yep, it's an after the fact. You have this income tax liability that you will need to pay for 2022. Can I look back historically and smooth it out over the last three years to reduce my liability in this current year? That's good. It's really good. So, and then, so one of the other ones that I do have a little familiarity with, um, just from my background, um, is you talk about depreciation options. Um, what does a farm need to consider when they're looking at depreciation? Yeah. So depreciation, we have some options right now. Um, you know, the, IR, the IRS does talk about changing, especially bonus depreciation um, and reducing the amount that can be expensed. So, so you always want to keep up uh, and talk to your tax preparer and accountant on, you know, what is the most current information. But uh, with depreciation, we have opportunities in, in Section 179 as well as bonus. And so really, these can be looked at uh, once you have purchased assets and they could be used or new assets that you are buying. Um, and then you can reduce uh, your expectation uh, and depreciate those assets. Sometimes you don't want to take that full amount within that first year. Uh, you want to take it over several years. It just kind of depends on your tax situation and the assets you're, that you're buying. Um, but assets with a class life of 3 to 15 years can qualify for that one, Section 179 depreciation. Now, again, you have to make sure that you're buying the asset and putting it into place. So, for example, if you purchased a tractor or you ordered a tractor, is probably a better example. If you ordered a tractor in 2022 and you haven't received it yet, you cannot start depreciating on that asset. You have to have ordered the ordered the tractor as well as received it. It is stored. It could be stored at the dealership, but you need to have started paying uh, and have a, a closed contract on that tractor, possession. for example. Uh, essentially, you've got to have taken, taken possession. possession of it. Yeah. There you it's go. Your, it's yeah, your better, asset better at words. that point. It's not, you know, even, right. even if it's Yeah, it's not in delivery. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, yep, yep. Sense. There you go. Yep. Yeah, so the most common use of the Section 179 depreciation might be if you bought some beef or, or dairy breeding stock. Those are usually listed as five-year property. Most often, those assets only last five years. A lot of farmers will get them to last a lot longer, especially beef, per se. Uh, but on average, IRS puts a five-year life on those assets. And so one section uh, section one. Section 179 depreciation can be used on that. Uh, new machinery, for example, ordering of a new tractor. Uh, um, used machinery does qualify as well in here. And also uh, single purpose egg structures, 10 year uh, 
property life. Now, there's a lot of definitions, uh, and so I would ask people to consult the IRS's website. Not an easy website to use, but the tax repairer probably knows where to look <laughs> because there's 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 dual purpose farm buildings, there's single purpose farm buildings, um, on, on, and they have different lives to them. You know, so a parlor, for example, is single purpose ag structure you that building probably will not be able to be used for anything else right a machine shed is most likely dual purpose you could use that machine shed to do you know have a shop in it to store different things and so that they put a different class life on those for the irs uh anyways so in uh 2022 the you could take over one million dollars uh in section 179 deduction um and uh, reduce the amount uh, for your income tax liability by that. So dollar for dollar reduction in that amount. Now the section option besides section 179 is bonus uh, that you also can use to depreciate capital assets. Uh, That includes those 20 year properties uh, used or new farm buildings that you have out there, those machine sheds and, and barns, which maybe couldn't be used for Section 179. Now, for 2022, that bonus depreciation is at 100%. You can take the full value of the asset and depreciate it in that in that first year that you own it. Um, but you also, if you buy other assets, you would also need to depre- depreciate all of those assets, the same assets that have the same a class life. So you bought two or three tractors, you would have to do the same thing, treat those um, tractors the same way and depreciate them the same uh, all all within this first year. Some people don't like to do that. That's a lot of depreciation. You want maybe want to stretch one of those tractors out. So that's maybe why you wouldn't use bonus depreciation for the tractors that you bought, for example, for this year. So uh, a couple different options, like I said, between bonus and one section section 179 really it's working with your tax repair and accountant to figure out which option works best for you um, what income liabilities do you have and how can you, re- you reduce them that's where those kind of depreciations come into play yeah so that leads us into perfectly to kind of the last point that you make in your article and you don't go into great detail but i would assume you have some thoughts around this as far as choosing a tax professional um, any thoughts around that you would want to make sure and get across to the listeners that, that kind of may be in this situation? Yeah, I always like to throw something like this in, Scott, into my articles. And so just wording-wise, I could only fit a, a little bit in, but um, choosing that right accountant or tax return prepare can be crucial, right? You're spending good money on having these people prepare your information. You don't wanna to have to go back and adjust these in the in the coming years. You don't want IRS coming and saying, hey, you didn't file this correctly. Well, it was this person that did it and then they're not willing to help you in the three, five years whenever IRS does send you that letter. So really it's making sure that person is up to date on their information. Uh, you know, extension for sure provides tax return, uh, tax repairs, and uh, accountants with annual income tax information. Now, it's not a requirement, but they do have to have uh, hourly um, records on file that they are keeping up with the education. And the last couple of years, especially after Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, 
that was done through Congress, a lot of changes have happened. So you want to be sure as a farmer that you're working with a knowledgeable professional that is staying up to date and current with this information. If they, if you mention to them, hey, I listened to this podcast and, and learned about income averaging and they have no idea what you're talking about, that to me is a That's red hard. flag. Yeah, it's a bad sign. Yeah, that that's a red flag that maybe this isn't the right person, you know. And and so, you know, you're like I said, you're you're paying good money for these people and you're trusting them and you want to make sure that they're staying they they're staying current. Now, again, the flip side is you can provide all the suggestions to them, but they are a licensed professional. They are licensed to work with the IRS on your behalf to file your income tax return. They must abide by ethics and the rules and regulations of the IRS. So there's only certain things that they can and are willing to do. So keep that in mind too, that they're not necessarily gonna push the button because they also don't want to be hanging out there with this information. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it's, I think it comes back to, you know, you get into a, you know, a lot of smaller operations, maybe the, you know, husband, wife, whichever one tends to do all the book work and then maybe they try to take on the taxes too or something. I don't know. It's just, you could really be uh, borrowing a lot of trouble uh, when you get into those kind of situations. Yeah. And, um, because of all the changes in tax laws that happen on an annual basis, if not since Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, um, it is rare you find somebody that, that does prepare their own taxes, especially in the farming world, because they are complex, um, yeah. especially with all these different class lives and depreciation. So, but on the flip side, you want to make sure, uh, I know farmers that they don't want to pay a whole lot of money. They just want their taxes prepared and to move on. But they might be losing out on some of these opportunities like income averaging, some of these depreciations. So they might be paying more in taxes than they really need to be. Uh, you know, there's a certain kind of balance out there of, you know, what should I be paying in? Um, but you can also be reducing your tax liability with certain things like retirement accounts, IRAs, you know, and different contributions. So make sure that that person you're working with um, is, is providing you with the service that you, that you want and that you need. Perfect. Well, thank you, Katie. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this disclaimer one more time just to make sure we're you know covered and everything. Uh, yes, please. But uh, yes. again, this information changes often. This is an This is meant to be educational information, not tax or legal advice. Information is based on the material uh, from the Land Grant University Tax Education Foundation and the IRS. So, Katie, thank you very much. Is there any final thought you have that we maybe didn't cover that you want to make sure and get on the radar of the people listening? Yeah, I would just love for your listeners to make sure that if they have any ag tax, uh, income tax questions, there is ruletax.org is a great website put on by extension specialists uh, that are very knowledgeable. They work with the IRS. There's a whole handbook out there for helping people um, file their Schedule F uh, within their 1040 tax return. So ruletax.org, great website, even for your listeners that are just starting out farming. There's some really great info. Uh, the hobby farmers are ones that are kind of in that gray area that IRS kind of, I just kind of cringe at. So good website for uh, any <laughs> listeners that might be interested. Great. Well, thank you, Katie. And I hope everybody enjoyed it. And to come to find out what's more fun than taxes. I, I don't know of anything more fun now than taxes because we had a good time. So thanks, Katie. We, we appreciate did. it. Thanks. And Scott. for those that are listening, please take the time and subscribe. 
Uh, we try to drop episodes every other Wednesday. Been a little bit lack on that lately, but we do try. And so we do have some exciting episodes coming up that we've already got guests lined up that we're pretty excited about. So you do not want to miss those. So you can check us out also on some of our other social media content on uh, Instagram. You can go to YouTube. We have a great channel there with a lot of good content in there as well. And uh, Facebook, of course. And um, am I missing any platforms? That should be all of them. All right. Well, everybody, hope you enjoyed this dairy dive. Thanks and God bless. Well, that's it for today's episode of The Dairy Dive. We hope you enjoyed the new format, and if you did, we would so appreciate it if you would leave us a review. A good one, we hope. Uh, but those reviews help us increase our visibility and uh, reach more people in the dairy community. So thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. <laughs>